0: Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by basketball player and documentary subject Jeremy Lin to talk all about the short-form documentary film 38 at the Garden, which is currently on the Oscar shortlist for Best Documentary Short Film. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about, um, you know, when Frank Chi, the director and, and the producers, initially reached out to you, because it sounds like saying yes to your story being told in this medium wasn't something that you immediately said yes to and I was interested in what were some of the questions that you had for them in in how they viewed the idea of wanting to tell your story and you know what were some of those hesitations or concerns that you had early on and and how did it ultimately end up in being something that you did say yes to with them?
1: Yeah I uh, you know early on and we've gotten opportunities um, throughout the years and I just have never really wanted to kind of relive Linsanity. And I've always had this interesting love-hate relationship with Linsanity. You know, on the love end, just it changed my life, allowed me to take care of me and my family financially. And I was able to, you know, live out my dream of being an NBA basketball player for many years because of it. But on the flip side, I went through a lot off the court um and and I and it really affected me um in deep ways and and it and also cast a shadow over the rest of my career that I felt like I could never really kind of climb out of and so I was never really the one the person to kind of look back and want to talk or do anything related to insanity and so for years, we had kind of said no to these opportunities um and I remember. Um, Patricia Sun, who's one of the executive producers um, and also the CEO of, of, my, uh, of my company that, that handles all of my off-court stuff. Um, she was pushing me like, you really should at least take the meeting. Um, and And these guys really know what they're doing. They're very well established and they have a great resume and you should at least take the meeting. And after taking the meeting, the one thing that we immediately kind of clicked on and agreed on was, this documentary won't be about just another trip down memory lane, celebrate the 10-year anniversary of Linsanity, and talk about how, how well, you know, I played during that stretch. It, it was going to be, the North Star of this was always going to be about social justice, what that moment meant, what Linsanity meant within the context of society, and not just basketball, and where we are today, uh, you know, post-COVID with, you know, a 339% increase in violence against Asian American or against Asians and Asian Americans. And so um, that's really where uh, I kind of was like, you know, I think we need to do this project.
0: Right. And I think that's one of the things that, that makes this so special in the realm of sports documentary storytelling. And, you know, I've heard Frank kind of describe that he always viewed the film as something where it's. It's about basketball, but it's also not about basketball. If you take all of the basketball away, even the the conversations that you're having in the film, it's not just about that one moment. It's what did it mean to have a dad who supported you from day one, and then a mom who also, you know, initially had a different idea for where you were going to go career wise, and then really understood it and got behind you, and were part of the ground roots efforts of your career getting off the ground in the first place, and overcoming self doubt, and all these other aspects. And so, especially when you were having a a lot of the interviews for camera, you know, what were the types of questions that, that Frank was asking you or, or you were kind of being encouraged to discuss that really took the experience beyond it being just about basketball for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest compliments that I, you know, that I and the team can receive is when we hear uh, from people who have seen it, like, it's almost like, everyone has something different to say about it or something where it really resonated with them. Some of it is, you know, actually hardly anybody talks about the basketball side after they've watched it. And, you know, they could talk about, uh, you know, other things, many of many of the other elements that were in there, um, which I don't really want to, you know, spoil, spoil or talk too much about, but as, as it relates to your question, um, the interview questions that I was getting from Frank and the team, Trayvon and Samir was, um, I mean it was it was building it was building a holistic story of you know within the context of society so you have you have stereotypes you have you have you know like we said doubt and and, and what that looks like we, you have the underdog element you have a trailblazing element of going to to a, a, you know a, a different route and you have the perseverance element and you have the social justice element and there's so many different things that are playing into it and by the end of it you don't need to know anything about basketball to be able to like enjoy it. And that's actually, you know, that's what people say. They're like, man, I I, I don't care about basketball. I've never cared about basketball, but this film, like I loved it. And I need to get as many people to watch it as possible. And, And that's a testament to kind of how we're able to take a story that was always bigger than basketball and turn it into a film that conveys how much bigger than basketball this moment really was.
0: One of, one of the details that I love early on in the film in, in regards to your family and especially your relationship with your dad is, you know, you, you talk about how it was you and your dad creating your highlights reel and editing that together yourselves and, and sent, trying to send that out to get recruited onto teams. And, you know, I think to to achieve the level of success in in any industry that you have, there's so much that goes into it behind the scenes that people never see, you know, everybody loves the idea of an over- overnights and the the years that gone into it and so for you what what did you find were moments that you were kind of revisiting or rethinking about in terms of trying to get placed on teams your early career and really building the foundation that people really just don't see on the other side because they see you playing on the court they don't see you sitting there trying to send that tape out to to coaches
1: yeah that's a great question i mean i think for me you know it's a very it was a scrappy effort you know and And when I think about me and my dad, like sitting in a room, cutting up this, all of our highlights, going through the film and, and then we were working with somebody else to help make this video and these DVDs. And we had to like get, you know, we printed out like 20 DVDs. We looked up a list of schools and we were, you know, and their names and we were writing these individual letters to these coaches. And I mean, it was just a lot. And to not even be able to get a response or to not even get these division three schools to look at me. I mean I let alone division 1 schools I couldn't even get division 3 schools to even give me a call back or acknowledge that they received my tape and you know I think that just rewatching that kind of brought back some emotions of like Anger because I was like, I mean, I forgot about this part of the story, or I forgot the fact that I won a California State Player of the Year and I got zero scholarship offers, or or I think back on the NBA draft process, I was flying from city to city to city to city, nonstop around the country, doing all these workouts, c- crushing these workouts, and nobody seemed to care. And that type of like that type of like uh I guess disrespect, you know, and 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 it brought some emotions, you know, going back and re-watching it, but at the same time, that's what this, I mean, Frank and, and Frank, Trayvon, and Samir will talk about it for this film, too. Like, this film was an underdog film. It was a scrappy film. Like, it could not get any funding. It could not get, it could not get any true backing from, you know, the people that we were trying to get backing from. And they started filming with no money, just believing that one day the money will be raised. And there are so many different, I mean, I could go on and on about the stories, but this film is just like the story that this film is trying to tell. And that's the beautiful part about it is like, oh, now we're on, you know, an Oscar shortlist with a chance to be, you know, nominated for an Oscar and people are recognizing it and want to jump on now. But, you know, when we really needed it or when we were really starting out, like, Not that many people believed in it. And actually nobody really believed in it until we found a key, you know, we found a couple key people that were really able to push it forward. But this whole thing has start to finish, has been scrappy.
0: I mean, that that's such a great point as well. And and within that, what was that experience of, you know, being a central subject and being a participant and a collaborator on this project and kind of knowing, okay, they're still trying to pull together a lot of the resources, a lot of the finances to tell the story in the way that they want to. And this is the ultimate goal in their vision. But, you know, there might end up ultimately being a different way in which we have to tell this story just to get it told, because it is such a huge thing to be handing your, you know, like you were saying before, it's such a huge thing to be handing over your personal story to somebody else to tell in this way.
1: Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, you're you know, you're in you're in media and journalism, so you understand. Like I've done so many interviews, I've told my story so many times um in my life, in my career, and I've had so many times when people just chose the part they wanted and ignored the other 95%. And that's what I did. That was my experience with media and interviews for like so much of my life is like, I'll share all this stuff. And then it'll be the end and be like, basically the headline, everything about the story is he's Asian. Can you believe that? He's Asian and he's actually doing pretty good. And and that's it. They just wanted that, those bits and pieces. And so for me with this team, like I really trusted them and they stayed true. Like they stay true to the story. Um, they stay true to our North star and they accomplished our goal. And that was something that I will forever be grateful to them for um and have so much respect for and and that's and that's why like man like you know i've i know people who have films made about themselves and by the end of or shows tv shows made about themselves and by the end they don't even support it they hate it because the whole thing has been you know in their words like you know it's been hollywoodized you know or or, you know and, and it's been it's the story has shifted to what it must be to get more backing, more funding, more popularity. Um, and and we haven't done that. We stay true to it. And and the good thing is people are loving it. Um and and so I'm I'm excited for the future.
0: I also love that it does, you know, it does, it, it obviously does talk about that specific moment in time, but it also covers the rest of the scope of your career. You know, it talks about at the end, you know, the career that you've had following that it talks about what it was like to be a high school player and try to get onto a college team and the decisions that you're having to make at a very young age. Um, and did, did Frank always approach you with that idea of yes, even though there is going to be this centralized moment in sports history that we are going to talk about, it's also important to talk about your entire story as an athlete and as a player.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, and I think, I think that's, um, Like, I think they did a great job of telling the whole story because you can't appreciate the moment without appreciating the story. And you can't understand what happened in that moment without understanding what happened before and what happened after. And I think that's what they've done is, and Frank will describe this, you know, as you know, uh, in three segments, um, which the film also describes. But to understand doubt, you have to go all the way back. You have to go all the way back to understand the, my my upbringing, my, all of that. And, and then you have the moment. And then you have to move into the future 10 years later to understand, like, okay, what does that moment 10 years ago look like and what does that mean? And so it's just a beautiful, like, it, 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 they did a great job of just, being able to round out the entire like from start to finish the entire story and and uh and man um i'm not gonna lie like i'm not gonna act like i did any editing i did zero editing i was not a part of it at all in fact the first time i watched it was at tribeca film festival like hbo had already picked it up tribeca had already agreed and said they loved it and i still hadn't watched it um Patricia's son had been working with them through the editing process, and Frank Trayvon and Samir and and the editing team had spent, you know, weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks just pouring through this film and editing it, but uh, I can't sit here and take any credit for it.
0: You also, you know, you bring up the word doubt there. And one of the, one of the things that you said in the film that I remember really, really striking me and resonating was that one of the biggest obstacles that you've had to overcome in your career is the doubt within yourself. And, and like you said, the film does a really great job at looking at, you know, where does that stem from both within yourself and within culture and society, and particularly the way that you you received as a player, as an Asian American player. And what has that journey been like for you over the years? Because that, that voice of self-doubt never fully goes away in anybody, um, but has it become a different tool for you that you're able to use in certain ways and, and use towards certain goals and certain ambitions as a driving factor?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, big time. And, and, um, and I will, you know, and, and I think in my story, like if people on the outside didn't doubt me, the story would have looked much different. I would have gotten breakthroughs and opportunities much more often, much earlier. And that's one side of it. But really, like the most damaging part about doubt from the outside is how it affects me as an individual or another minority who's growing up right now or another underdog who's in a certain situation. It's really what the the internal effect that's even more damaging. Because if the outside doesn't believe in you, you still got you still got a shot. But if you don't believe in yourself, you don't have a shot at all. And that's, and that's what I had to kind of wrestle with and still wrestle with. And it is just a constant learning process, even now today. Like, you know, it's, it's, you're in an environment where every day everyone's telling you you're not good enough, you're not good enough, you're not good enough. So it's really hard to believe you're good enough. And if you can actually get there, you got You have a chance to do something. And, and so I struggle with it at times to, the, to this day. And, and I have to learn how to name it, recognize it and then go through some things that I've, you know, through my sports psychologist and through my own experience of being able to remind myself, like, just how good and capable I really am, um, and, and a great example was, you know, a few years ago in my, you know, I think it was in my 10th year of professional basketball or 11th year of professional basketball or something like that, I went back to the NBA G League to try to get an NBA call-up, and I didn't get the NBA call-up, and f- you know on paper you know just from that alone like i kept thinking like dang i'm not good enough i didn't do good enough like but on paper through the stats and everything like actually it all showed that i was good enough i was you know i was the only league leader in points only league leader in assists that didn't get an nba call up the top 10 in points and assists everybody all the other nine all got call-ups except for me and so Even then, it was like, oh, wow, like, I'm not getting an opportunity that I clearly deserve. And I have to continue to remind myself, like, no, 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 do not, like, because my personality is like, oh, you should have done more than, like, you you weren't good enough. And so I had to, and still have to continue to manage, how do I fight those doubts?
0: Yeah. And, I mean, within what you were just saying as well, you bring up that point that, there's a way that doubt from the outside doesn't just create an impact on one person there's a ripple effect and on the the flip side of that the film really celebrates what you coming into the nba and being on the court as a player meant to a lot of the asian american community and you know you have voices like lisa ling and jenny yang and you have Hassan minhaj saying you know watching you play made it feel more possible for him to be a stand up comedian and are there ways in which you feel like in revisiting that moment for the film and the in the way that it's been talked about and seeing those interviews with people like that in the industry, that it's kind of changed your perspective on on some of those moments from the time at which it was happening and just seeing the way that everybody was receiving it and and ultimately still holds on to it in that way.
1: Yeah. I mean, it has definitely changed my perspective of it to hear other people Mm -hmm. because, you know, any one person will never have a fully objective holistic view of anything. And there's so many blind spots in my perspective, especially being in the story, like the primary subject of the story, it is really hard to zoom out and understand what this story means from like an an outside perspective. And to hear these comedians, journalists, and my teammates talk, like I, I keep saying I wish we used more of their quotes and less of mine, because the way they are able to articulate it. And the way they are to they are able to break everything down, it is absolutely hilarious, and at the same time so eloquent, so articulate. It, it's just, I'm just like, I really like, I really wish like, I just talk less in the film, <laughs> and, and they and and they had so many more quotes and 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 uh, you know FaceTime, and so, um, but it it has been you know it has been so eye opening to see. What these moments meant—from the doubt to to the opportunity to the game winner and waving people off—and and to where we are today and what that moment looks like—and for us to not be willing to accept being on the sidelines but to get into the game—and—and—I and, mean, there's just yeah. I mean, it's—it's. It's, I couldn't even do it justice. You just have to go watch it and listen to listen to them talk. Um, and 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 it's it just brings a whole new like. Multiple layers of depth to kind of what I realized the moment was
0: that's amazing you know and and even just in in talking a little bit about the interview process and and the moments where we do have you talking to camera and and you know revisiting these different moments in your career, um you know you were talking a little bit about what some of those conversations look like. what was the overall kind of dynamic and and setup that Frank and his team like created for you to be able to walk into each day, and did you have a sense going in of What's what sort of things they were going to be approaching you with? What sort of things they wanted you to dive into, or was it more of just kind of a broader, open style of conversation where they could then kind of find the story from within that?
1: Yeah. Um. It, the, the the funniest part was I, um, so I was one of the first interviews, and it was a two and a half hour interview, and it was just like, we're we're gonna ask anything and everything, um then they did some more interviews but once they got my footage they realized it was out of focus and they couldn't use any of it and at this time I was filming and I was playing my season in China so it was like really inconvenient like I was filming in the afternoon and they stayed up the whole night to set up and go through the interview with me so I think as I was filming um i think it was like four or five in the morning or i don't forget somewhere between like two to six a.m for them um and they're all like trying to stay awake and listen to this two and a half hour interview we finally finish it and it's all out of focus but the good thing is they were able to get more interviews they were able to hear what i said one time and then when we went back the next time again they still opened it up for this whole you know all those questions but they were also able to more specifically target certain things now that they kind of realized where the story was going so I mean blessing in disguise it was a silver lining I would never you know want to do a two and a half hour interview all over again but um in the in the grand scheme of things I do think it really helped the film in terms of like okay they heard it one time they got us and they did more interviews with other other people and they started to understand I think this is where we want to go
0: And, you know, obviously they're, they're the ones kind of behind the scenes on the entire filmmaking process, but did you, did you have any idea or a sense of some of the other visual aspects that they were bringing in, you know, some of the archival footage from some of your games and some of your career that they were looking at? highlighting and including alongside what you're telling the camera or even just the animation elements that they end up having that are like you know it's like the animation that's being drawn of like what it looks like for you to try and sleep on your friend's tiny tiny couch when it's too small
1: yeah and I think that's the thing in my mind they told me like I was like what do I need to do for the documentary and they're like oh we just need one interview and I was like no way like what are we going to make with just one interview like and that's why I had to give a huge shout out to the team because they did so much extra work. Um, and, and, and I had to give a huge thank you to the previous, you know, I had a documentary that came out a long time, you know, like right when Linsanity happened and it was called Linsanity and they had some footage and B roll, a lot of footage and B roll. And they were, um, they were able to give us, uh, give this, you know, give 38, um, some of that footage, which I'm very grateful for, uh, you know, the NBA and even, even, uh, you know, getting approval from the NBA and Vanessa Bryant and, and, you know, they were able to give us some of the footage. We got a ton of interviews from people who, you know, went out of their way to take time to talk about this story. And, and we got footage from there. And, and then we got the animations, like you said, which are amazing. I mean, I had no idea it was going to be that good. I just knew they were saying like, Oh, you know, we have a, we have someone who's going to you know do some animations for the film but when i saw it i was like man that is they are hilarious and they, i mean they they it's done so well and so i was just blown away i was honestly blown away at the final product i was like i can't believe you guys are able to make something this powerful um and the only thing i had to do was you know one interview twice <laughs>
0: I mean, it, it, going back to what you were talking about right at the very beginning, when, when you kind of sit now and you revisit some of the hesitations that you had and the fact that there hadn't been the right project to say yes to until this came about with Frank and the rest of the team working on this. Kind of how has that shifted the dynamic and the relationship for you in terms of just what that idea was of, of potentially going into a film like this and, and handing over your story to someone in that way. And then what it has been in going through a process that, you know, it sounds like it's been a really great collaborative process throughout and something that you're really proud of as a piece of filmmaking and as storytelling.
1: I mean, it, it's been so, and I, I said this at one of the events in the q and I said, you know, maybe the biggest beneficiary of this entire film is me, because it has helped me reshape insanity in, in, in many different ways to appreciate it more. It is, uh, you know, for many years, it was a weight on my shoulders, you know, that, that I tried to run from and not associate with, and now it is a badge of honor. And something that I, I, I talk about, and um, and accept and embrace so proudly, uh, in large part because of this film and this process and everything that's been done and things that people have said, and um, it's it's been has uh, been an incredible experience. Honestly, it's been an incredible experience for me, and um, and I think we're just kind of getting started because you know people a lot of people have seen the film but there's a lot more people that will probably see the film it is getting some huge momentum right now um really big momentum and going to these screenings and stuff realizing i mean tomorrow we're going to a screening where we had thousands of tickets available and they sold out in less than half a day like everything is gone and we're like dude we are, because it's at chase center we're like can we open up that a few more thousand seats to like because people and people want to watch it. And, you know, this is at the same time as the Niners, you know, Niners playoff game, exact same time. Like tip off time is the same time our screening is starting. And we're going to like we, we have a sellout. And and so I'm just like, you know, the, where this film could go. Um, and, and we've had so many people who have watched and are like, we, we need to find a way to do more screenings or I need to find a way to collaborate or I need to get my company or I need to get my, my network or my friends and my family to watch, like, what can we be doing? And so right now it's almost like, it's kind of just like this like web effect that, that is happening. And so I'm really excited to see where, where the future of this film goes.
0: That's amazing. And I mean, it's such a such a testament to the film and and the story within it and the way that it's been told on screen. And um, so it's been really wonderful hearing all the details about the experience of this for you. And I'm glad that it's been such a fantastic experience. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it.